what are you looking for in this new year? What are you looking for? That's a natural question that we, we ask ourselves. Maybe others have, have asked us that question. One of the hardest things for me about the new year um, is, t- is to, to hold together all the exciting and new possibilities of, of what could be with, with, the brutus, with the brutal, honest awareness of the things in me and the world that are not as they should be. Holding those two things together. It's kind of like the more things change, the more things stay the same. And while that's good news when it comes to God's promises toward us, I mean, that's what we're looking at in this sermon series, it's not good news when we think about the evil and the sin and the brokenness that we inflict human beings, one, on each other and the world, no matter what the year is. I'm really convinced that, that everyone everywhere is looking for redemption. Everyone everywhere longs for redemption. Everyone has this sense of a gap between the way things are and the way things should be. There has to be something, someone to to remedy that problem. To fix the, the direct harm caused by sin. And the indirect and, and broader consequences that, that are unleashed when we do something that we shouldn't or don't do something that we should do. Today, however, we're reminded of God's promise of redemption in Jesus Christ. God's promise to do something about the problem, to do what we cannot do, and that is to deal with sin. God's promise through the one and only one who takes away the sin of the world. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us, that we might bear fruit for your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from John's gospel, the first chapter Verses 29 through 39, I invite you to listen for God's word. You can follow along on the, on the screen as we see the reading up there. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one about whom I said, He who comes after me is really greater than me because he existed before me. Even I didn't recognize him, but I came baptizing with water so that he might be made known to Israel. John testified, I saw the Spirit coming down from heaven like a dove, and it rested on him. Even I didn't recognize him, but this one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, The one on whom you see the Spirit coming down and resting is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this one is God's Son. The next day, John was standing again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus walking along, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he asked, what are you looking for? They said, Rabbi, which is translated teacher, where are you staying? He replied, come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, you may remember two weeks ago, we were looking at the first chapter of John 
uh, at God's promise of presence, right? Jesus, John says, is the word who became flesh and made his home among us. God in the flesh living with God's people. And here, just a few verses later, we see Jesus introduced in, a, in another way. John the baptizer, who's Jesus' own cousin, uh, comes to uh, the River Jordan, is baptizing people, and he sees Jesus coming toward him, and he says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is no ordinary introduction here. This is very intentional. John doesn't say, look, here comes my cousin Jesus. John doesn't even say, look, the great moral exemplar. Even though Jesus is the one whose life is the life that's truly worth imitating. He doesn't say, look, the all-powerful king, even though Jesus is the king of kings. He doesn't say, behold, the prophet that we've all been waiting for, even though Jesus is a great prophet and would uh, prophetically uh, engage with the world, turn over tables in the temple and in, and in society. You know, John says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I mean, what a, a powerful and yet strange statement to make. Again, very intentional. But what, what does John mean? What did John mean when he said this? Well, for, for Israelites, for any Jew, that statement would have been like opening a, like a suitcase full of meaning. Uh, when they heard it, they may have thought of immediately of the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb sacrificed each Passover, marking and celebrating God, delivering them from slavery in Egypt. They could have also thought about the sacrificial system of the tabernacle or, or the temple where animal sacrifice was made for forgiveness of sin, also to draw people closer to God, to create a clean space through the shedding of blood where, where God and God's people could live together in peace. But John is transferring all that imagery and all that meaning to a person. Yes, but not just any person. Because Jesus is God's promise to do something about the problem of sin. Jesus is God's promise of redemption. And at the very start of this gospel, we already get a sense of how things are going to end for Jesus and why. Right at the start, Jesus will die a sacrificial death for the sin of the world. That is who he is. That, that is why he, he came into the world. He's going to deal with sin once and for all, by taking it upon himself on the cross. I mean, the same way, but yet different, that an animal sacrifice was one of the ways that sins were forgiven, Jesus, by his sacrificial death, would make forgiveness possible forever. And in the same way, but different, that, that animal sacrifice would, through, the, through shed blood, create a clean space where God and God's people could live together in peace. Jesus' sacrificial death would make sure that we could live together with God in peace forever. And in the same way, but different, that the Passover lamb commemorated God, freeing God's people from slavery in Egypt, Jesus' sacrificial death would free us from slavery to sin. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What an incredible promise. What, what an incredibly good news for people like us, like people everywhere who are looking for redemption, looking for a way to fix what's wrong, looking to close that gap between the way things are and the way things should be. 
Because sometimes we, we look for redemption in the wrong places. When God promises us that Jesus will be the one who takes away our sin, our shame, our brokenness. I mean, even at their core, New Year's resolutions are an attempt to, to get rid of something old and take on something new, aren't they? I mean, we're looking for something old to leave and something new to come. But all the behavior modification in the world will not deliver us from sin and its consequences. All the behavior modification in the world will not deliver us from sin and its effects. Even though I've made resolutions, even though I've thought about things that I need to change this year, I'm reminded each and every day just how desperately that I need a sin bearer. I think about Paul in Romans when he writes, why do I need laments? Why do I do the things that I don't want to do? Who will rescue me from this? I need a sin bearer. What about you? You ever feel that need? Because we can't resolution our sins away. We can't behavior modification our sins away. We can't drink or smoke or prescription drug or, or binge watch or eat our sins away. We can't buy our sins away with money or shiny things. We, we can't Facebook or Instagram or tweet our sins away. We can't distract our sins away with busy, hectic American dream lives. We can't bury them away deep inside and hope they'll go away, especially if no one sees them. We can't even quid pro quo, good deed for bad deed, our sins away. Only one, only one promises to take away the sin of the world, not just mine, not just yours, the world's. And it's the Lamb of God. It's Jesus Christ, and we, friends, can count on it. I was curious about the, the word that we translate, takes away the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And, it, and it's a Greek word that, that can also mean lift up. And in other places in the New Testament where that word is used, it's translated as, as, as lifted up. And, and if you think about it, like that makes sense because sin is like this great burden that we, we simply cannot bear ourselves and then live the life that is life, which God intends for us. I got a very nice uh, like child, infant uh, backpack carrier for Christmas, so that I can carry Ellis on my back when we go hiking. And, and Ellis is a little guy, and I can carry him perfect in that, just fine. Sin is a different story, however. Imagine sin like, like heavy weights or, or, or rocks. And imagine trying to carry all of that weight as it continues to pile up on your own. Trying to carry that on your own, it would quickly become absolutely crippling, debilitating, wouldn't be able to walk or live at all. When we try to carry all that ourselves, when we try to deal with sin our, ourselves, we do not get to live the life that God intends for us, desires for us. But Jesus, the Lamb of God, lifts up that burden of our sin when we give it over to him, takes it upon himself so that we don't bear that, that weight anymore. God's promise in Jesus means that Jesus is the one who lifts that sin off of us so that we don't bear it or carry it. Jesus bears it, lifts it up, even as he's lifted up on, on the cross so that we might li live lives that are free 
from that burden. Free to be who we were meant to be. Because it's hard. It's hard to, to get a fresh start when you're carrying so much weighty baggage. It's hard to, to live free when you haven't given over your sins to the Lamb who came to bear them. To hold the Lamb of God who, who lifts up the sin of the world. Receive his sacrificial love, his sacrifice of love. Uh, this week <clears throat> on uh, Tuesday, Monday, well, Tuesday or Wednesday, Monday or Tuesday, two days this week, I went to Kinston for a New Faith Communities um, learning event. And the second day, we had the opportunity to visit and learn from a wonderful ministry there in Kinston called Hope Restoration. Um, this ministry receives homes that are in poor and, and virtually unlivable conditions, and it repairs, restores, upfits them, and then rents them out at very affordable rates so that people who might ordinarily be trapped in an unholy and unhealthy slumlord type of situation have another option there. But that's only half the story, because the company hires addicts in recovery and men who have just gotten out of prison to do the work. Training them, giving them a second chance, experience and opportunity to do good, to see potential in themselves. It's beautiful. <clears throat> and I love hearing Chris, the founder, talk about it. He said, first of all, we let people know that God doesn't create junk. They are not junk, even though they may have made some bad mistakes in their lives. Many of them, he says, come in thinking that they are beyond repair themselves. And by the end, they realize that they are the house that they just finished working on. They realize that like an old house, you have to scrape <clears throat> and tear out some of the old and, and rotten and termite-eaten parts. And then you can rebuild and, and make new. In the beginning, they might think of themselves and the house they're working on like, who can do anything with this? By the end, they can't believe what it's become. And I contend that's the way it is with, with us too. Like it's, it's hard to make something new. It's hard to make changes in our lives without first being willing to scrape out, to tear out the old, junky, rotten, sin-infested parts. I mean, you wouldn't put a new floor on top of a floor joist that are rotten and eaten away by termites. But Jesus promises, friends, to help us. He promises to take all of that junk that we call sin away, even if it means carrying it and burying it, bearing it himself all the way to the cross. That's what God does. That's what the Lamb does. And that's really the other amazing part of this beautiful statement and promise. The Lamb who takes away the sin of the world, is God. In the same way that John 1 says, in the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God, the Lamb of God is God. God isn't sending a, a third party to handle the painful and hard work of dealing with the problem of sin and evil. Jesus isn't a third-party contractor doing God's dirty work. God, God's own self, takes away our sin through Jesus Christ. It isn't someone else bearing the pain 
and the weight of human sin and evil so that God doesn't have to. It's God bearing that so that we don't have to in Jesus Christ. I mean, after, after all, who else but God alone is good enough, strong enough, loving enough to take on all that is not as it should be? Who else but God alone is able in the face of sin to be both merciful and just at the same time? The Lamb who is sacrificed, who takes away the sins of the world, is not separate or independent from God. This is God giving of God's own Son, God's own self. This is God taking away our sins. God lifting up what enslaves us. God doing something about all that would separate us from God. You know, the next day after... After John has already said, look, the one, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of, of the world, he's standing with some of his disciples, and he sees Jesus walking along, and again, he says, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said, and then they start to follow Jesus. When Jesus sees them following him, he asks them, did you hear the question? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? They don't answer his question, but we might guess the answer. Something in them stirred when John names Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and they follow him. They're looking for what we're all looking for, redemption. Looking for someone or something to fix what's wrong. And they may not have realized it in that moment, but they have found it because they found him. The one who would take away their sin, and yours, and mine. Indeed, the world's. In Jesus, the Lamb of God, God promises to take away our sin. Thanks to Jesus' sacrificial life, death on the cross, his resurrection, victory over sin and death and evil, thanks to the Lamb of God, we are able to have our sins forgiven and walk in freedom and newness with God. What are you looking for? Beloved, I pray that each and every one of us may know for ourselves Jesus as the lamb who takes away sin. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.